Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, Happy New Year! In the spirit of the resolution that abounds this time of year, we're here to help you eat more veggies. In your desserts, that is. We're adding beans, beets, and even spinach to our treats this month in our quest to get our five-a-day. First up, a classic breakfast treat that incorporates potato and a discussion about the baking trends we can look forward to in 2019. It turns out this month is right on trend. So grab some coffee and get ready for some healthier sweet talk. Well, Happy New Year, my friend. 2019, here we are, off to a roaring start. So exciting. It's just barreling right along, isn't it? We're already in the first, second week, you know, just how it, how it falls. It just seems to go so quickly. I know. So, Andrea, last year at this time, back in episode 58, we unveiled our 2018 baking resolutions, and we wanted to kind of come full circle as we're about to start this new year and talk about how we did and how it's gone for us, maybe to inspire us. Yes. Into 2019. So, let's see. Back in episode 58, you had a few, and one of them was to try more template recipes. So, can you give us a little update on on how that's gone for you? I will. Let me first explain what I mean by a template recipe. Okay, good point. (laughs) My idea was that I wanted to find more recipes that had a certain amount of ingredients or proportions, but then you could easily switch up those ingredients to get different flavors. And probably the best example I can give you of a template recipe that we have and we've shared and I know that works is our happy people fudge. I know I've talked about this endlessly, but it is one of those things that it has uh, two cups of semi-sweet chocolate chips, one cup of milk chocolate chips, two cups of marshmallows, Mm -hmm. and a can of sweetened condensed milk, a little bit of salt, a little bit of vanilla. You can change those chocolate chip ingredients And you can use butterscotch chips, you can use peanut butter chips, you can use mint chips. Instead of using walnuts and vanilla, you could use almonds and almond extract. You can use peanut butter, you can use pretzels. And it's delicious every single way. Yes. So I wanted to find more recipes like that. Now, okay. I didn't do a really hard search throughout the year. I just sort of thought that these recipes would come to me. And as it turned yes. <laughs> as it turned out, I was sort of creeping up on December without much luck until one night I was watching a Hallmark movie. <laughs> oh. And Which you love. You love your Hallmark I love, holiday movies. I love my Hallmark holiday movies. Yes, let me be specific. I only do this at ho- at uh, holiday time of year. This is not something I do year-round, if, if that makes Whatever. it sound better. Yeah. Um, and my husband was watching with me because I've gotten him roped into them as well. The heroine was going to teach her love interest how to bake a cake. And he said, but we don't have any recipes. And she said, that doesn't matter. You don't need recipes to bake. It's all about ratios. 
Well, this is fairly highfalutin for a Hallmark channel, isn't it? I just started laughing my head <laughs> off. And my husband said, is that true? And I said, you know, I don't think so. But... I, you know, I'll do a little more research into it. The next day or two, what came at me was I saw a class at my co-op, and it was a class called Cakes Without Recipes. And the description said, you know, get into the gooey underworld of rogue baking. <laughs> it was a class designed for kids, but it said all ages could attend. And it mm -hmm. basically said that there would be four ingredients, flour, sugar, egg, and butter. And then each attendee should bring five things that they thought would go well in a cake. Okay. You know, they could bring whatever, lemons, lemon zest, marshmallows, chocolate chips, uh, you know, peanut butter, all these different things. And so I started thinking to myself, okay, I think I understand now what they're talking about. And so I did a little internet research, and lo and behold, I did find something. Have you ever heard of the one, two, three, four cake? I have heard of that. Yeah. Oh, you have. Okay. I think that's big on Pinterest. Oh, interesting. That makes sense. Okay. And I found it in the Bake from Scratch magazine. Okay. Um, that's one of my favorite magazines. And... You know, it might be, in fact, similar to that Victoria sponge you did a while ago. But the way it works is the one, two, three, four stands for one cup of butter, two cups of sugar, three cups of flour, and four eggs. Okay. And then, of course, you still do add other things such as milk or baking powder or salt or, you know, that sort of thing. But basically, if you have those four ingredients, you can bake any kind of cake. Okay. So I have used this a couple of times, and I find it very fun and very successful. So I have made um, the citrus cake. And that one, of course, uses lemon zest, lemon extract. And I've also made an eggnog bourbon cake. <laughs> that was really fun and um, great back in the holiday yeah. time. That was a really nice one to have. And I really like, too, the way this recipe is written. It's written for two nine-inch pans and, of course, frosting. But she says in there, you know, oh, yeah, you can bake it in 11 by 13. Just keep an eye on it. Might need more or less time. Just keep testing it. You know, it's not like it's a real complicated, this is how you must do it. And, you know, someone had made a comment, can I do this with cupcakes? And she was like, sure. Yeah, sure. I'll prob you'll probably need 15 or 18 minutes. Just keep an eye on it. So that is my successful search for a template recipe. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. It's the one, two, three, four cake. And it's been a lot of fun. That's fantastic. And I think the nice thing about those type of resolutions is that you do have your eyes open all year for when you might tackle them or when it might yeah. be easier than not. But it's out there. It's in your mind. You've set the intention. And then things start coming to you. The rogue cooking classes, the, yes. the various recipes. So well done on that one. Thank you. How about you? I know that one of your resolutions was to clean out your recipe binder. And I do believe we are talking about a paper binder. And you had given <laughs> us kind of a mid-year update. I know you were mm. making some progress, but I haven't heard anything in quite a while. So how is that one going? Well, I started this at the beginning of 2018. It was a multi-month, multimodal <laughs> type of <laughs> endeavor. Indeed, it was not kind of a wham-bam one weekend and you're done. I really had to chip away at it slowly. But I was happy that I got it to a more manageable size. So prior to starting this project, it was in all of my recipes that I had torn from magazines or printed out or clipped off the back of a box. 
it was in a magazine file folder. And then it expanded okay. to a binder. And then it was a stack next mm-hmm. to it. And the file folder <laughs> is cracking at the seams. And it was out of control. Yes. I was never remembering what I had in there. So I was consistently tearing the same type of recipe. You know, I think I had said back in that episode 58, I had like 25 recipes for parsnip something or other or chard or these different things that I was clearly drawn to but could never remember. So I went through and I said, you know, if this recipe is A, older than 10 years and I've never made it, out it goes, no matter what it is. And then I would look at the kind of categories I had from there and say, okay, which one of these looks best to me now? I live in England. What's going to be working for me? Where I live, what the ingredients are, Mm -hmm. how I bake now. So with all of those things in mind, and again, after several kind of mini segments of or mini sessions of going through all of those things, I have whittled it down. It is now just one box, one magazine stand box. Okay. And within Mm -hmm. that box are various file folders. So it is labeled by category. And I think more important is that before I put anything in there now, I, I kind of do a quick check. Do I have something like this? Is that why I've torn this? You know, it's it's like how you keep buying the same pair of jeans or the same shirt because right. you're just drawn to it. So I'm trying not to right. duplicate. And I'm just trying to be really brutally honest with myself. Am I going to make this? And then the final thing mm-hmm. is I set much stricter deadline. So instead of saying, I'm going to give myself 10 years, I'm like, nope, I'm going to give myself about a month, (laughs) maybe six weeks. And if not, it's gone. Yes, that sounds like a really good plan to keep it manageable. So you don't have to do this again next year. Exactly. And that I can enjoy what I have clipped and clearly I'm drawn to so that I can potentially make it and have a good new favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andrea, in that same vein, you are, I think you kind of teased us last month during Tipsy Treats Month that you were having some pantry issues. So I know pantry clean out organization was big in 2018. Is this one that's going to have to be brought forward into 2019? Oh, no. I finished this one, and I am so excited to give a report. So this was really fun because I do love my pantry. I have a great pantry. And when we moved into this house, the man who had previously owned the house had uh, was in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So he had no shelves in his pantry because he needed to wheel his chair in and out. Okay. And so we had shelves built in. And it was the first time in my life I've had a walk-in pantry with that much storage space. Yeah. So – As you can imagine, I filled it to the brim. And without a huge amount of thought about where I was putting things, because what I thought I would do is get everything in there and then over time realize, oh, this is inefficient. You know, I don't have the sugar next to the flour, and so I need to move things or that type of thing. What happened in reality (laughs) was (laughs) my cousin was visiting on Thanksgiving, and she made some comment about, you know, now that you've been in your house five years, I said, oh, no, we haven't lived here for five years. It's only been, you know, two or three years. And she said, really? Because I could have sworn you moved in in 2013. And then I did the math. I was like, oh, my gosh, it has been five years. And I never went back to the pantry and did that reshuffle. Luckily, we had no travel plans. And the day after Thanksgiving, I woke up. And of course, I don't really feel like cooking after Thanksgiving. It is a couple of days of, you know, completely existing on leftovers. Yeah. So my kitchen was really free in terms of not needing it for preparing for anything. And we were all home. So um, just sort of stayed in the pajamas. And first step was I hauled everything out of Mm. the pantry. Yes. 
And so every surface in my kitchen was covered, every counter, the dining room table, the kitchen table, the floors. I mean, everything was out. And it was so funny. I almost stopped right before the end, which is just such my personality. At the very top of my pantry, I have some display bowls that I don't typically use very often, but I think they're pretty, they're pretty up there. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And right as I was about to start putting things back in the pantry, because I had wiped, you know, I'd gotten all the cleaning supplies and wiped down all the shelves and swept the floor and all of that kind of stuff. My husband said, what what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to put stuff back in. He said, Mm -hmm. but you haven't taken everything out. And I said, yes, I did. And he goes, Andrea, there's still all those bowls up on the top shelf. I said, oh, yeah, I don't really use those. So they're fine. He's like, no, no, no. We are not going to purge 95% of our pantry. We are going to do it all. So he got the ladder out, and he got up on the top shelf, and he got all my bowls down, and we wiped out all the dog hair. It was perfect. (laughs) I started putting things back in. We both talked to each other about what things we use most often where we typically like to look, you know, even whether it's easier to look to the left or to the right, or what things you see as you're walking by versus, you know, if we rarely close the door on that pantry, it does have a door. So that was just really fun to sit down and really think about the pantry. Obviously, I threw a ton of things away. And I think that I did mention that back in Tipsy Treats Month. You know, so it is one of those things where if you don't have things in a certain place and you don't check that place before you buy extra, you end up with duplicates. And you had this story, I think, earlier, maybe last summer, when we were doing something with marshmallows. And you said, I found six kind of half open, completely dried out bags of marshmallows because every time you'd be at the market, you'd be like, I think I need a bag of marshmallows. And then they would just kind of go in there into that dead zone. And that's what happens. So it's absolutely an issue about combating food waste and making the most of the space that you have. So well done, you. That sounds so nice. What a great way to start off the baking season, too, and then the new year. It was really fun. So that took two days. That was Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And then on Sunday, I spent that whole day on my spices, and that was so much fun. And I did the exact same thing. I pulled every single spice off the spice shelf and off the interior section of the pantry where I had some overflow spices. And I didn't alphabetize, I categorized. So I have like a baking lineup and all those spices are together. You know, your cinnamon, your allspice, your nutmeg, uh, your ginger, that sort of thing. I have an Indian row for all of my Indian spices. I have a hot pepper row. So I just really enjoyed that. I Again, I refilled containers from bulk. I threw away things that I knew were over a year old. I opened almost every single jar and sniffed it because I think that's one of the best ways to see if your spices are still fresh. And it was just great. I am so happy with my pantry now. I strongly encourage anyone looking for a fun project to go ahead and tackle their pantry. It did take me three days, but it was really, really worth it. Yeah, and there's a lot of things, too, that you could donate to a food bank or give away to friends or things, too. I know when I moved here, I did a lot of that same type of thing. I knew I had to get rid of it, but probably someone else could use and enjoy it and that was, I mean, I think you were the recipient of several of those items as well. <laughs> I just used some poppy seeds the other day that I know poppy seeds and rose water I was gifted. That was lovely. Yeah, don't wait until you move, listeners. Go ahead and do it now. It's, it's a really fun project. Okay, on to your other resolution. And I believe that was that you wanted to bake more bread. So what's the update on that? Well, the nice thing about having your own podcast is you can just say, I'm going to make a resolution to bake more bread and March shall be bread month. So... <laughs> I did a lot of bread baking and yeast 
type of does this year. So that was really fun. Of course, um, yeah, back in March, we had bread month. We did pretzels not once, but twice this year. We did that lovely, no-need peasant bread from Alexander Stafford, which has become a regular in my house. It is so easy. It makes keeping that resolution so, so very easy. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think I did well on that. And I'm excited because our very first recipe we're introducing this month is also a bread. So I'm going to be chugging right along with that resolution also. Listeners, we would love to get some feedback and some suggestions for Stefan and myself, we are making what's called a 19 for 2019 list. And this is a suggestion from Gretchen Rubin and the Happier Podcast. And we are making our specific to baking. So on our resolution list, we're going to each put six items on the list that are things we've either never baked before. So I don't know, mine might have gingerbread on it and Stefan might have baked Alaska on hers. We're going to see what we can come up with there. Right. And then we're looking for six suggestions from all of you. So six things you would like to see us make that perhaps you know we've never, never tackled before. Or it could even be something you'd like us to do that you know we don't regularly do. So, for example, you might say that you would like for me to make a resolution to actually read a recipe through all the way to the end (laughs) and follow the instructions exactly. Uh, Likewise, you might say, Stefan, you just get to skim this recipe and make make all kinds of substitutions. So... Who knows? We are interested in your advice, your feedback. Uh, Perhaps you have a beloved family recipe you'd love for us to try. So we will put a post on our Facebook page and ask for you to go ahead and give us some suggestions to add to our 19 for 2019 list. If you're not on Facebook, you can also send us an email at host at preheatedpodcast.com. Well, Andrea, this month we are having a rather cheeky take on that perennial New Year's resolution, which is to eat more veggies. And we thought, no problem. Let's just put them in some desserts. So yeah, why not? That's easy. Here we are. The first one up, I just teased you guys a little bit talking about my bake more bread resolution, but also my pantry uh, recipe clean out resolution. This is a Yukon Gold Potato Cinnamon Roll. It's from Bon Appetit. And the reason this is hitting both of my resolutions is that I found this recipe going through my clean out. I think I have made it, Andrea, but I have absolutely no recollection. It is from (laughs) March 2009, and I have scrawled at the top March 22nd. Okay. Which makes me think... That is when I made that. I don't remember them. Okay, so maybe that year. Who knows? I do make cinnamon rolls a lot, but this one is not one Mm -hmm. that I have done regularly. And the difference really is that it is a yeast dough, but it has the addition of a pound of Yukon Gold potatoes that you mash. Andrea, when I was in Finland last winter, I did a Globetrotting Gourmet report about some porridge Mm -hmm. bread. So the chef was using some leftover breakfast porridge, and that kind of took us on a tangent talking about potato breads. So when I saw this, I remember that conversation. I remembered I wanted to make more bread, and here I am cleaning out a recipe. So this is either going to get filed in the must-bakes, or it's going to be tossed because that's my new world order. So... (laughs) Well, and this recipe might meet one of my new 19 for 2019 resolutions because 
I had thought about giving myself a resolution that I have to make a bread that actually requires 10 minutes of hand kneading. Oh, perfect. Because those of you who listen to the show know that I tend to pull out my food processor or stand mixer whenever I can. And this particular recipe, it's not quite there, but it does say that you need to hand knead until the dough is smooth and elastic about eight minutes. So that would be a good meditative practice for me, I think. So I'm going to try that. Are you going to have trouble getting Yukon Gold potatoes? I wondered about whether or not those are available in London. I'm happy you asked. Yes, that brand is fairly specific. Um, Idaho potato, I believe. So listeners who cannot get Yukon Gold worldwide, uh, you could use, here in England, you can use something called the Charlotte potato. And basically any thin-skinned, waxy potato, whether that is yellow, Mm -hmm. white, or red, is going to work here for that mash. Yes. Okay. And, you know, when I first read this, I got excited because I often have leftover mashed potato. But the specific instructions for making this mash, they are very specific, including you do not drain the water, you need some of that moisture back in the potato. So I think this is a situation where you want to make the potatoes as specified in this recipe Mm -hmm. because it's really going to impact the dough later on. That makes sense. And I do think, though, that um, it is one of those things. I often have potatoes in my house. So when I looked at this recipe, you know me, I always get a little bit anxious when there's recipes with like, you know, 14 or 15 (laughs) ingredients. And I started looking. I thought, oh, no. But as I look at everything, I actually think I have all of this stuff. I mean, I don't even think I'm going to have to go to the store for anything. So that's a, a good recipe in my mind. If it has a lot of ingredients, but I have everything, that's much more likely that I'll continue to make it on going forward. Right. So in addition to the mashed potato, you have basic cinnamon roll ingredients there. As Andrea just said, you have eggs, unbleached all-purpose flour, some warm water, your active dry yeast, and some sugar. That's going to make up your dough. It is a yeast dough. You will knead it and then let it rise. I think it's um, at least until double, so they're saying, you know, about an hour. Your filling is a classic cinnamon roll filling with some brown sugar, cinnamon, also a little flour, a lot of butter, and Mm. then you've got a nice glaze with powdered sugar, more butter, milk, vanilla and a little bit of salt. Andrea, I often, when I make cinnamon rolls, I go up until the step where you have rolled them out, put in the filling, cut them up. They're looking very cinnamon rollish, and I have not let them do the second rise. I would then maybe put that in the fridge. You could also freeze them at that point. When you do take them out, then you want to make sure they come to room temp do their second rise, and then you can bake them. So I might do that here, depending on how the timing works out. No, I'm so glad you said that because I was absolutely going to ask if I could do that. Um, I want to, I didn't realize there were two rises. So again, why would I read so far ahead? (laughs) I saw the first rise and I thought, oh, I wonder if I could put it in the fridge then and let it sit overnight. But I think you're right. It makes a lot more sense to go ahead, do the first rise, make the filling, and then at that point, refrigerate or freeze. And yes, and it says they're going to be very puffy. So when I pull it out to defrost, I think I'll know if I just wait and, and make sure they've puffed up nice and I'll know when they're ready to pop into the oven. Exactly. And it also just makes 12. So I think these are going to be nice, big, fluffy, puffy cinnamon rolls. So fluffy, puffy. Start it off by feeling good about eating potato with your cinnamon roll. And that is from Bon Appetit, March 2009. We know for sure, very specifically. 
And remember, we'll link to this recipe in our show notes for this episode, which is episode 106. It will be on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Facebook group, Preheated. Andrea, it's time to get out our crystal balls and talk about the food trends we'll be seeing in 2019. As usual, listeners, we are thrilled to know that Preheated is once again leading the pack, having talked about many of these quote-unquote new trends since our first season back in 2016. We like to think that just proves that some things, like in fact your hosts, are timeless and cool. Oddly enough, my 13-year-old daughter does not necessarily agree with that, but... (laughs) Last year, some trends you might have seen were low or alternative sugar and functional, healthier food. I remember we talked about functional food quite a lot. Yes. Are any of those trends holding strong in 2019? Definitely. The use of alternative sugars or sweeteners like agave, maple syrup, molasses, that shows no sign of slowing down. And we've been making use of these since we started our show with treats like David Leibovitz's chocolate agave ice cream in episode 31, our tahini chocolate banana soft serve in episode 81, and Andrea, your favorite chocolate topping for strawberries that you shared back in episode 65. Yes, I remember that. And the trend toward healthier options continues also, especially as it relates to plant-based foods and probiotics. In fact, drinking vinegars, which we talked about in episode 103, and kombucha, episode 78, are especially called out as continuing to be hot in 2019. And don't forget the dessert hummus you introduced us to in episode 80. Yeah, that was good stuff. And of course, all month we're going to talk about sneaking veggies into your desserts. That is our January theme, so stay tuned. Stefan, you and I and many of our listeners are big bread bakers, and we've baked up several delightful loaves in the past two seasons. Um, In fact, our whole last March was bread month. What's going to be hot out of our ovens this year? Well, in keeping with our veggie forward month this January, I'm happy to report that breads incorporating vegetables are going to be huge in 2019, especially colorful veggies like beetroot, spinach, and carrot. And speaking of that, another hot topic is going to be exotic donuts. So listen up, because next week's Bake Along is going to hit both of these trends. I also see that intricate designs are going to be huge, which I think can be so beautiful. Though for me, they're much more intimidating than inspirational. We talked about this during last year's Pie Month in February, where we highlighted the artistry of baker Lauren Coe from Seattle. And I'm sure we'll have some fun updates when we kick off our third annual Pie Month this February. Another trend I thought you'd be tickled about, Andrea, is that of the bite-sized dessert. You've been a fan of these forever. I sure have. I love making minis. In fact, I recently learned about a single-serving eggless cookie dough batter that I plan on making this week. Oh, and I just returned from a weekend in Leavenworth, Washington, where our place we were staying had a dessert bar every night. And so they had mini creme brulees and these tiny little ramekins. They had tiramisus in little cordial glasses. They had pies in the quarter pint mason jars. Oh, I think their idea was after you'd had this lovely meal, you would only want a small dessert. But I took advantage of the mini to try several desserts each night. That's why you're my friend. Yes. Another trend near and dear to our hearts and that of our international listeners is the trend toward global flavors, especially global fruit flavors from the Pacific Rim. So expect to see more dragon fruit, guava, pineapple, monk fruit, and preheated faves mango and passion fruit this year. 
Maybe this means I'll finally be able to buy fresh passion fruit in Olympia. Oh, I hope so. We eat so many passion fruit here, they're a staple. Another trend near and dear to preheated's heart, ice cream. And trailblazing frozen treats will be full steam ahead in 2019, especially global frozen treats. Forecasters at Whole Foods say we'll see creamy, non-dairy bases such as avocado, hummus, tahini, and coconut water, as well as Taiwanese snow ice, Mexican sorbets, and chewy Turkish ice cream. Mm. I have a Turkish friend I'm going to need to follow up to figure out what exactly that is. It sounds delicious. It just sounds so good. Chewy Turkish ice cream. <laughs> Chewy ice cream. I'm all day. Uh, yes, I'm in. And of course, we've been blazing a trail by shining a light on international frozen treats since our first season. In fact, in one of our very first Globe Trotting Gourmet segments, episode 30, and we've been experimenting with a tahini ice cream in episode 81. Stefan, you were the first person to tell me about freak shakes, and I thought that was a fascinating trend, one we've been seeing for a while. It's putting exotic mix-ins into the ice cream. But 2019 is really going to push the boundaries by incorporating things like artisanal cheese. Uh, this reminds me of the brown bread you had in your Irish ice cream at Murphy's back in episode 103. And of course, last month's theme, tipsy treats. That's right. Alcohol-infused desserts, including ice creams, are set to be a growth area. We devoted our entire December show to tipsy treats, so we really were ahead of this trend once again, Andrea. I love it. Well, as with any predictions, some things are bound to fall short of the mark. So what are some items we won't be seeing as much of in 2019? This list, very funny. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't realize that half of these were trends, so... <laughs> It's a good thing I don't have to worry about not looking cool anymore. Whew. All right, the first is glitter and or gold leaf covered food. This was an outgrowth of the whole mermaid, unicorn, galaxy food decorating trend. And you and I actually talked about that when we were together in London in episode 49.5. Mm -hmm. But it turns out, Andrea, glitter might not be safe to eat. And most people think gilding food is just too expensive. Um, next up, you won't be seeing many more pizza bouquets. This summer, the Villa Italian Kitchen invented a wedding bouquet made of pizza, which became a viral sensation. Uh, where was I? I don't re yeah. remember seeing <laughs> Missed this. Missed this one. <laughs> and as much as I enjoy pizza and indeed a non-cookie cutter wedding, this seems a step too far, not to mention a real dry cleaning hazard with a white dress and pizza sauce. Well, also bidding adieu the super spicy flamin' hot trend that included flamin' hot ice cream, which sounds like an oxymoron to me. Also saying farewell food made with activated charcoal, which we talked about way back in episode 24. Activated charcoal has even been banned by the New York Department of Health. Several of these violate my personal food maxim, food shouldn't hurt. So I'm glad <laughs> to see that they're putting being put to rest. It does seem like we have a lot to look forward to in 2019, and I guess we should ready our own predictions based on some of the fun themes we have ahead of us. That's right. Listeners, just to give you a teaser of the shows Andrea and I have been working on for the months ahead, we predict that savory bakes, literary-themed treats, geometric designs, and desserts made with corn are going to be huge. You'll just have to stay tuned to see if we're on the money again this season. 
And listeners, which food trends would you like to see more or less of this year? Let us know on our Facebook community or drop us an email at host at preheatedpodcast.com. And thanks so much to the Specialty Food Association, Food Business News, Whole Foods, Kroger, Food Insider, Mintel, and Quickstone Capital for their fun and fascinating 2019 food predictions. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the icing onto this episode. Next week, we'll review our potato-enhanced cinnamon rolls and introduce a baked donut that's a green goddess. Thanks to spinach? That's a first for both your hosts. And as you now know, right on trend. And Andrea will fill us in on how to host a cookbook swap in case one of your New Year's resolutions is to clear some clutter. Thanks as always to Anne-Marie Russell for providing our theme music. You can find more of Anne-Marie's music on Amazon and iTunes and at annemarierussell.com. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe, and consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening, and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.